Welcome, everyone, to the Australian Bitcoin Podcast. In this episode, you're listening to myself, Justin, and Daniel from Hardlock. Today, we'll be discussing recent global and local Bitcoin news. But before we start, a quick word from our sponsor. The Australian Bitcoin Podcast is brought to you by hardlock.com.au. Hardlock is Australia's oldest Bitcoin-only exchange. They have no added fees and are optimized for dollar cost averaging. Sign up to Hardlock today using the discount link in the description below to receive free auto-send batched Bitcoin withdrawals for six months. All right, Daniel, how's it going? Yeah, pretty good. And yourself? Can't complain. Yeah. What have you uh, been up to? A few things. So um, I've been playing around with Lightning mm. a little bit. Um, so, you know, we're considering doing implementing Lightning deposits and withdrawals. How's that process Hardlock? going for you? Yeah, well, I mean, so... Um, yes, yeah, so I've been playing around with Core Lightning because most most people use LND. Yeah. But uh, like obviously we had the discussion with Rusty and he's in Adelaide, so I thought like well, I'd like to try uh, Core Lightning. Yeah. And uh, so I've been playing around with that, and overall like the Core Lightning itself, I actually found it pretty easy, and I didn't find the document the documentation for installing Core Lightning was pretty good like rusty actually created a video mm. uh, it's a it's on youtube about an hour long where he just like s sets up the core lightning on his linux machine and kind he just he, the, he just goes through files. all the basic yeah, yeah he just sets it up and does the first like depositing uh, bitcoin to the lightning node and then like how to set up a channel and yeah. just all the basics right he, he it's like a 101 so that video is very good. So mm. I followed along with the video and it was actually all pretty easy, that part. But so now I'm kind of a, on the part, uh, I'm trying to connect it to my Zeus wallet mm. and I'm kind of having some issues with that, still stuck on that, trying to get past that. But so uh, apparently the way to do it is if I've got my uh, Lightning Core, uh, node, you need to install some kind of something else on top of it to expose like a REST API. Mm -hmm. So uh, Ride the Lightning provided like a plugin for um, Core Lightning that allows you to expose the REST API. So I, I done that, but I'm not sure if I done, it seems, to, I seem to have done correctly, but for some reason I can't connect to my Zeus wallet. It says it can't find the um, it gives me connection timed out when I attempt it. So I have to just figure out what's wrong there. Takes That's... a bit of tinkering, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I set up the LND lightning node yeah. and that already has um, like ports open that you can connect <clears throat> to immediately. So you don't mm. need ride the lightning, but you, I still have ride the lightning yeah. because it helps better with channel management. Yeah. It's a nice visual kind of interface. Yeah. But even with LND and the, I would say like significant amount of documentation they yeah. have, and I even yeah. followed Kitan's guide. Yeah. I was doing it in kind of like a non-standard way in terms of where I had the data yeah. files. So I had to really get my head around the config file like properly rather than just yeah. following the instructions. I had to understand what yeah. I was doing in it yeah. and even just like some of the extra flags that you can uh, add, like when you're typing in the command of starting up the LND node itself, because my implementation was a bit non-standard and it took me a long time to get my head around that. Yeah. So I, I feel your pain. I, I feel like maybe LND is like just that little bit easier than core yeah. lightning at the moment. Yeah. But yeah. it sounds like from Rusty's conversation that we had with him uh, a while back, they're trying to 
yeah, yeah build, build that out basically to make it a bit easier so yeah i think that's like yeah what you said when you sometimes when you don't do the standard implementation that's kind of when you can run into troubles yes and, yeah and it's a good learning process yeah. though it's good yeah. i feel like i learn a lot yeah. by doing it but now i don't yeah. know it's because i haven't done it for a while i feel like i've probably forgotten right. most of what right. i learned <laughs> yeah and i found like the actual running collecting i found that actually pretty easy yeah and stuff oh and yeah rusty's video was very good but then yeah just doing the kind of next step of actually connecting it to zeus there wasn't that much documentation on it and i'm just trying to kind of figure it out myself because i don't really have like there's no step-by-step -step guide for it exactly so i'm trying to kind of figure it out by myself so that's and i'm you know i'm okay but i'm not like a genius kind of type of yeah engineering so um yeah i'm just trying to like figure out how to do it but i think i'll get it done i reckon you will and it just shows how early we are yeah, isn't yeah, it because once yeah. i got it set up it did take me like a decent chunk of a weekend yeah, to get it yeah. set up but uh my first thought was like most people probably couldn't do this yeah even with good documentation so i i feel like we're probably away away from like a one-click install of something yeah. like a lightning node backed by a bitcoin core right. or something like that but it's probably where we're going to need to get to for then yeah. most people to like run a lightning node or something or maybe yeah. we have like trusted yeah. lightning nodes yeah. that people will you know work with in their community but it's moments yeah. like these that you realize like we're still very very early yeah. with bitcoin in terms of the implementation yeah. but yeah yeah still fun to dabble and yeah. tinker with that sort of stuff yeah and uh, actually another thing because like for our exchange another possibility considering is a contact versus the service or whatever and i bet yes i had a meeting with them so there's a few services like that but basically they provide an api yeah I'm considering maybe just using that so we wouldn't run our own node. Yeah. But it does kind of make from uh, creating from an exchange and business perspective, it, it does mean a bit less overhead and maintenance. Um, so I, I, yeah, I had a discussion with IBEX and they provide like a very simple API for uh, doing lightning invoices and payments and then them do over node management. Exactly, because it's the channel management stuff that yeah, becomes yeah. a bit like all the inbound and outbound liquidity and right. that becomes the confusing part. And there's a lot of scripts that people are, are kind of building up to right. be able to do that automatically. Yeah. But it's one of those things where like you get all these disparate parts and when you try to piece them together, they don't always quite fit perfectly yeah. when you just go to a one-stop yeah. shop solution, at least initially, while it's yeah. still pretty early yeah that can sometimes be yeah, yeah much less overhead much less stress and you know that it's very efficient in terms yeah. of how the channels are balanced and everything else yeah so exactly makes sense yeah. and like for personally like i can run a personal note for myself but like for the business it's also good to have something like which doesn't because for the business you need it to be reliable you don't like yeah. oh the lightning has stopped working exactly and it's like but you know we're a small team and just having somebody manage that over time and mm. look after it and if somebody doesn't drops the ball like when customers don't have a lightning withdrawal so using a service might be easier yeah figure it out as we go yeah i'm curious um from the last podcast we talked a bit about uh zoe yeah. who ended up being well we're pretty certain that she was scammed basically yeah, yeah. and she was trying to then follow up and maybe go with someone that was going to try to recover the funds for a 10 percent sort of fee or something like that how did how's it all going yeah yeah okay so yeah that's that's right um uh i do have some updates you actually sent me some messages yesterday it's, it's kind of it's not the worst okay so the news is not the worst but it, it's still kind of tragic so basically uh, the, the last time like you said we left it that she found some recovery service mm. the recovery is outside the domain here it's briskabetment.com. 
priskabetment.com. And do they look legit? Because I if, think they're another if, scam. Well, yeah, because <laughs> if they say give us ten percent up front, that seems yeah. like a scam. But if they say we'll yeah. take ten percent yeah. when we find it for yeah. you, I would say that seems less like a scam, yeah. but could still go horribly wrong because they could yeah. just keep the hundred percent once yeah. they find it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean. Like Inish, because I know there are some kind of recovery services, and they usually like, but they mostly usually work when somebody loses their keys, and yes. but they know the password or whatever, yeah, and they know part of the password, and they like if they can help you recover it if you know some clues about it. So yeah, I know that. So Inish, I thought maybe it's true, like mm. like you said, but the more I dug into it, um, I don't think it's true. I think it's another scam. Yeah. Did, so, did they contact her or did she No, find no, so them? she found oh, them. Oh, good, because I was going to say that would yeah. be a very elaborate rift, yeah. wouldn't it, is that yeah. you step in as the saver and say, like, hey, look, we can probably get this back yeah. for you and you're actually the original scammer. But, yeah, okay, so okay. They, she found them. Yeah, yeah she found them, but I, I'm pretty certain it's another scam, mm. and I'll explain why. So I think the way they work is seems scam. There's a thing called rec recovery scams. You know, I went mm. on um, ICCC. To, like I done some research and apparently we've got an article. IEEC has an article about scammers targeting victims again through money recovery scams. So that's a thing mm. where victims get targeted again through money recovery scams. And she thought it might be legit because she contacted them, but I think they actually there's diff it's a different set of scammers. But sc it seems that scammers set up website. It's basically like a honey trap type thing, you know, yep. where victims come to them and they scam them again. Mm. So I looked at the website. First thing it said it's been operating from 2016, but the website was only registered like two or three months ago. Mm. And they've got uh, trust pilot reviews, but again, it's from the last two months. It, 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 only a handful review. They somehow must have faked the reviews. But again, I thought, because initially I thought maybe it's true, but... I told her, don't give him money up front. But so if we did ask for money up front, we, we wanted $7,000 up front. Wow. <laughs> $7,000 up front, and they said they would do it 10%. Uh, so the more I looked at it, I told her, like, whatever you do, don't give money up front. Definitely. There's no guarantee yeah. that they can yeah. find anything. No, it's not going to guarantee, but the more I'm looking, it's, it's just another scam. Yeah. Like, it's really sad for her because it's like, she just got scammed and she's just looking somewhere and then there's another, it's like wherever she turns, she's, it's like, it's kind of. I guess like that, like that sunk cost fallacy yeah. where she's like, oh, I've, you know, yeah. I've already put in whatever it is, 400,000, what's another 10 yeah. to try to get it back? So she sent me some of the, like, messages that they sent her. Mm. Um, okay, so, so she said, okay, she told me that she still hasn't given given up but is close so luckily she is a bit skeptical I, I don't think she'll give him the money okay so she told me this is what they told her so if the cmc is a cyber security commission backed by the department of defense to monitor cyber activities so we're saying their business mm. cmc um, most of the information is classified which cannot be found on the surface web you can't find relevant information because you don't have the clearance access to do that and when she told them that like her friend told them that uh, it's probably like that won't be able to recover it mm. that will be unlikely to recover it this is what they responded this is because the people you are talking to do not know about how hacking works when bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are involved we work with blockchain 
ICOs and crypto VC firms to help track and recover stolen cryptocurrency. It's just like jargon yeah. words. Yeah, Similar know, exactly. to the last time, like, oh, yeah, the yeah. blockchain hasn't synced yet. That's why your yeah, funds are locked yeah. and you need to send us yeah. thousands of dollars to yeah. unlock your funds. And these are like, yeah. you, exactly. don't the, you don't have the security clearance. Yeah, it's exactly. like a just, clear net, yeah. deep web Show kind you. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so yeah, I, I looked on ACCC. So the other thing they do is they actually sometimes, because now like the scam has no her contact details, right? Like yeah. if she like contacted them or gave them the phone number, mm. we know her. And then, well, because yeah, people who have been scammed are more prone prone to be scammed again. Yes. And like then maybe a year or a year and a half down the line, she might be contacted comp uh, again by some scammer yeah. doing a completely different scam, completely independent. Mm. But now it's kind of like yeah, it's sad for her because now it's like wherever she turns, she sees scammers, and then like we got her details, they might contact her again and like try to do another scam on her. So she has to be even more careful than any other person would be. That's right. Yeah. Sad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty tragic. Yeah. Well, hopefully she, you but, know, uh, with, yeah. with your help and, yeah. you know, other people that are giving her that advice that, look, yeah. I think this has gone yeah. and it sounds very suspicious what this other place that's yeah. trying to help you is uh, saying. Hopefully she, yeah, yeah, takes that as credible advice mm. and, yeah. yeah, I don't know, just tries to move on from it. Yeah. Well, we'll, mm. we'll shift to a couple of other things. Yeah. I wanted to mention something that's going on with Hardblock. So we released an affiliate program um, mm. that we've been beta testing and we uh, we approached a, a few people in the community, a few uh, customers uh, to get them to help us beta test and, and mm. be our first lot of mm. affiliates. Mm. Um, we're still doing you know beta testing. Mm. I guess you could say this is yeah. sort of stage two. So we're opening up uh, broader. So essentially, if anyone wants to become a Hardblock affiliate, uh, they can just reach out to us at hello at hardblock.com.au or you can even uh, DM us on Twitter. That works as well. Handle is hardblockbtc or one word. Now, in terms of the affiliate program, so if you sign up a new referee, you get 15% of all the fees incurred by that referee for the life of their account. Um, and if someone signs up with your affiliate code, they, sorry. Oh, no, 15% of uh, half spread. Half spread, that, that's right, yeah, that's the fees yeah, incurred yeah, by yeah, them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the other thing that's good to know is that anyone who signs up with an affiliate link, so your, your referee, that would be, um, they get six months of our free batch send automated withdrawals. So if they use the auto send feature uh, for six months, that'll be free basically to withdraw their Bitcoin. So if you're interested in that, that sounds decent, then um, yeah, please reach out, let us know. Yeah, so we, we, maybe down the line, we might increase the, uh, the kind of affiliate commission, but right now it would end up being about 0.2% of the Bitcoin affiliate child base. So if they, if they do, 10,000, so it'd be 10,000 times 0.2%. Yes, I think that yeah. makes sense because yeah. we have yeah. a spread, which is only a few percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but of course, yeah. it's the half spread because yeah. the spread yeah. is across the yeah. buy and the yeah. sell, and then they will get 15% of yeah. that fee. Yeah. Yeah. If this sounds confusing verbally, yeah. that's totally yeah. fine because yeah. we do actually have yeah. terms of service yeah. that we'll send out that yeah. explains yeah. and even has a few examples about like, okay, if your affiliate makes this kind of purchase, how much are we actually making on that? And then therefore, how much is that 15%? Yeah. Uh, fee that you get to keep. So if you're interested, please reach out, let us know. Can I, uh, can I spruik something that, yeah, sure. that, I, that I developed? So yeah. I, uh, I put this up on GitHub, but I thought maybe this might come in useful because we are seeing a lot more customers doing things with self-managed super funds. Mm. And so I went through um, an order process recently for my self-managed super mm. fund where I needed to provide my receiving address mm -hmm. that I withdrew my Bitcoin into to self-custody. Yeah. And I also need to provide my public key belonging yeah. to that receiving address. Yeah. And during that process, I just kind of had the 
I don't know, the hypothetical scenario where I thought, oh, I wonder if I just had a receiving address and the apparent public key that was related to it, yeah. can I actually see if those two are derived, like if the public key can derive the receiving address or not? It took me quite a while to find like a Python script to be able to do that mm -hmm. and, and no like decent website where it just lets you put in like a child public key. So I don't mean yeah. like your extended public key or your seed phrase. I don't yeah, mean yeah. any of that. Just, just the public key. key. Yeah. yeah. And most websites that are like a wallet or an address calculator, they start all the way back at the private key yeah. for the mnemonic seed phrase and yeah. passphrase and yeah. everything else. Yeah. So I thought, all right, I'm starting to learn to code. And I thought this would be a cool project to try to take on myself to see, can I actually come up with, you know, something that will mm. help people if they're doing this process, just to learn a little mm -hmm. bit um, and even just verify, hey, this public key that I have that I think generates this receiving address does indeed do that. So I prepared something that does exactly that. It's available on a, a website. I'll put the link in the, the show notes. And uh, essentially all it is, is you can input a public key. You can't input private keys, seed phrases, mm -hmm. extended public keys. I've, I've purposely mm -hmm. left them yeah, out because yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. bad for security. But you can put in a public key, say what kind of receiving address you want it to be. So whether it's legacy, compatibility yeah. or SegWit, and it'll actually just then generate what is the receiving address that comes from this public key. I've also got an extra step where it then queries mempool space to say, well, is yeah. there any receiving yeah. uh, incoming, outgoing, and what's the balance? Now thinking about it, that is a bit of a security risk if no one wants that address to be queried by mempool yeah, space. So probably yeah. in the next couple of days, yeah. I'll create like a little, you know, a radio button that yeah. says don't connect to mempool space. But if that concerns you, you can always actually run it offline as well because it's fully yeah. open source. So yeah. you can take the code, do whatever you want with it. And if you don't have a public key or don't know where to get one, I've got some instructions on that site about how you might find it using some pretty conventional wallet software. Or if you want to just experiment with that site, just to kind of see mm. how a public key then derives mm. the receiving mm. address. Yeah. I've also just got a separate section on the website where you can just generate a new key pair. Yeah. So it'll generate a new private key, public key, and show you what the receiving okay. address can be. And then you can kind of verify it with the top part of it. So it's a bit educational. Yeah, yeah. It could come in handy. It sort of came yeah. in handy for me. Okay. Um, it might be one of those unique scenarios that no one yeah. ever comes across again, but yeah, I yeah. figure I'll just put it out there in case uh, case that's useful because we've talked about that before on our yeah. SMSF yeah, podcasts. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah, you put your public key and you get the actual receiving address. Exactly, yeah. yep, yep. And again, it's like the child public key, not the parent yeah. or the master yeah. or something. So yeah. you don't generate a bunch of different yeah. receiving addresses from it because some people have asked me that. Can't I uh, then choose which receiving address yeah. I calculate? And that gets really into the weeds of like, like yeah. hierarchical, deterministically created wallets and yeah. everything else. So it's, I've linked to a couple of resources that help explain that a bit more, but you know, maybe this is the start of a, a rabbit hole for someone that goes and plays around with that and says, hmm, I don't understand how this relates to my wallet. And then yeah. they click through and, and read some of the details. They might uh, yeah, learn a bit more. Yeah. And to take a step back for like people less familiar with the technicals of Bitcoin, because some people actually not uh, True. aware of this. They don't. So you, when yeah, you're receiving, you have your public and private key keys, uh, but some people don't realize that your receiving address isn't actually your public key because some people think that's the actual public key. That's true. So correct. the actual receiving address is derived from the public key. Exactly. Like normally, you don't your wallet doesn't display the actual public key. That's true. It's kind of hidden. So for yeah, for some people who are confused by that. Absolutely. And look, even people like myself, I I, I understand it conceptually. Yeah. But when I was presented with a public yeah. key and a receiving address, I thought, well, how do I know that yeah. one's to write? Am I yeah. looking at the correct public key yeah. here? I'm like, yeah. I just want to be able to check that. I'm like, I can't do it in the wallet yeah. software. I can't find literally any website to do that. I could put in all of my key mm. like phrases yeah. um, and then I can derive it. But like, I don't want to do that. I just mm. want to check this public yeah. key and the receiving address. Yeah. So 
Now there's a chance to do that. And so, and you said you needed this for yourself, super fun. Yeah, because they wanted, wanted me to provide the public key. The actual public key. Yes, correct. And they wanted not the address, the public key. Well, I gave them the address initially, um, and, they, and said, they said that's not enough. We actually need the public key that relates to this okay. address. And they didn't ask for the extended public key or the private key or anything else. So I thought, well, this seems like enough to give up because it's really only proving yeah. likely ownership. Because yeah. technically, I, I could have sent that Bitcoin to someone yeah. else, and then they could tell me the public key. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. that was enough to pass the audit. But then I just, you know, had the kind of rabbit hole thought process of, well, how do I know these yeah. two are the same? And yeah. how are they checking yeah. that? Is that yeah. possible to do? How easy is yeah. that? And when I went looking, I'm like, that's actually not that easy to do mm. unless you are good at things like like a Python script or, a, mm. you know, JavaScript in the yeah. background. But there's no like place that you can go to yeah. just like put it into a website yeah. and see. So I figured that might be a, an interesting thing for me to do from a learning, you know, experience. And if it's handy for anyone else or it's uh, educational, then yeah. yeah. I'm surprised the auditor even knew the difference between the public key and the address. Yeah, likewise. And I asked him, what do you what do you do with these once you get them to yeah. know that they are linked together? Because I yeah. could provide you any public key, yeah. right? And he said, well, it's not my responsibility to know that. I just need to collect these things. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. And I said, did you know that I could have sent this Bitcoin to anyone and they can just provide me that public key? So I'm not really proving anything yeah. by giving this to you. Like the best thing would be for me to sign a message yeah. from the private key yeah. that relates to that address because that yeah. proves that I have the private yeah. key, but it doesn't give you any, you know, extra right. information. And he said, it's not my job to understand all of that. Okay. So right. I thought, well, that we're pretty early, I think, in terms okay. of the order process. I imagine in the fullness of yeah. time, it will be something like signing a message that the auditor provides you yeah. with the private key okay. belonging to the receiving address. That's probably the best way okay. for them to do it. But look, if they are sort of behind the eight ball and just taking like a receiving address, which is what I've heard some people yeah. have done, or going to the extent of a public key, which is not that you know invasive, I actually prefer that than signing a message with the private key. Yeah, just yeah, in terms yeah. of like not giving yeah. up extra yeah. information right, that you don't right, need right, to. Right, right. So did the auditor, was this some specialized auditor for Bitcoin auditing or was no, it just generic? Just, just a general SMSF auditor and they okay. all have to go through some level of training about like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Oh, so all self-managed superfund auditors have to go through training on Bitcoin? Yes, uh, okay. if they're going to audit things like Bitcoin, that okay, is. So yeah. that he probably was aware like... Yeah. Because they were in the instructions that said we want the public key, not the private key. Because yeah, the yeah. private key is the access to yeah, the Bitcoin. Okay. <laughs> so we don't want the private key and you right, shouldn't give anyone right, the private right. key. So they were actually very good about yeah, explaining okay. that. Okay. But then just the fact that they were just collecting this because that's what the instruction said. Because <laughs> okay. when I said, so yeah. what, do you, what do you do with them? Like, he said, I just put them in a spreadsheet. I'm like, all right, cool, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing with them. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that they actually have a process for this and that they have at least some knowledge of what's going on. Yeah. I thought they'd be completely clueless. Yeah. But, uh, I think they're catching up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. especially as more and more people seem yeah. to be going to SMSFs or self-managed yeah. super funds yeah. and just like Bitcoin and, and generally cryptocurrencies, I don't think <coughs> it's, it's going backwards, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's only going to keep going forward. So I think, yeah, pretty yeah. quickly regulatory and compliance and auditors will, will be catching up to try to find out how do we prove ownership or how do we, uh, yeah, how do we track this stuff, whatever it might be. Yeah. In fact, we've got some news in this, uh, in this podcast about exactly that. Yeah. So, um, just one quick yeah. thing. I don't know if we have time, but no, yeah. we do, yeah. about like on on that about a lot. You mentioned that a lot of people have uh, SMS Fs. So um, last week at the Adelaide Bitcoin Meetup, um, Jeremy done a presentation on how to set up uh, a super fund to invest in Bitcoin. And uh, during the presentation, uh, a lot of people were actually giving helpful advice about the process, and then. 
like uh, afterwards, Jeremy. So it seems a lot of people here are familiar with the process. So he got a show of hands of who actually has a self money super fund. Yeah, how many? And it was like seventy percent of them already had already like gone through the process. That's so good. So obviously that's like in the Bitcoin meetup. So that's kind of uh, like a different crowd. It's than a, normal, yes, but sampling bias. Yeah, there. we were actually <laughs> surprised that pretty much most of the people there already knew about it. I think we're going to see that trend continue to increase over time because yeah. like self-sovereignty, it applies to all of your assets really. Yeah, and self-managed yeah. super fund, it just, it's a no-brainer. Like for me, my superannuation felt like it wasn't even my money until yeah. I decided like I actually want to have control over that. Yeah. I want to buy Bitcoin with that. So I need to take kind of custody mm. of those funds. As soon as I've done that, I'm now more diligently looking at like how much yeah. fees am I paying? What am yeah. I paying these things for? Yeah, what am yeah, I doing yeah. with this money? Whereas yeah. before it was like, I don't know, it's just in yeah. some pool of fund that yeah. someone's managing. Apparently it'll be okay. So I love it. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what Jeremy also mentioned, which I can imagine like, because you actually, especially with Bitcoin, because mm. it's not even some fun. You actually own it. Like, if you have it on your own, like, hardware wallet, yeah, you can, it's very, it's like, you can, you have control of it. And exactly. It's yeah. yours. I think it's a good idea. And uh, we've got a podcast episode out already with an SMSF expert um, talking about, you know, yeah. the whole process of setup. Jeremy and I recently recorded one that's probably coming out in a week or two um, about our just general personal reflections on the process as well and what we've decided to invest in. So, yeah, I think keep an eye out for that or an ear out for that if it sounds interesting. Yeah. All right, we'll jump into the news. We've got like a decent amount to get through. Start with global and government news. So I found this very interesting that now 80% of countries around the world have a CPI over 6%. Mm. We talk about CPI and mm -hmm. inflation a lot, so I don't know if this requires too much you know, kind of discussion, but yeah. I just found it interesting that uh, we're getting to a point now where those levels hadn't been seen, or oh, I forget the chart, but I've linked it in um, the show notes, but it's probably about 20 or 30 years or perhaps even more since we've had 80% or more countries across the world having okay. a CPI of yeah. over 6%. Um, and that's back in uh, you know other times when a lot of like financial crises occurring. Yeah. So yeah. we're kind of getting back to this sort of breaking point in terms of financial crisis. And it's not just you know the US or Australia or other places that we often talk about. Yeah. It's, this is prolific across the world. So interesting to watch. And uh, I guess that's, that's probably just going to keep creeping up. It'll be 80% that are over 8% and 80% over 10%. It's mm. just mm. a matter of time, really. Mm. The other bit of news uh, is Argentina has promised to end their budget financing by printing more money. So what they want to do instead is to tame their annual CPI, which is uh, above about 60% at the moment, by taking things like private loans and by running budget surpluses. So, I mean, <laughs> how, how long do you think that'll last? Yeah, I mean, like, Argentina has been going through bankruptcies what the last 30 40 years yeah so i think they just like they resigned themselves to a fight to, to that fight they'll have hyperinflation they'll declare themselves bankrupt mm. and then the cycle repeats again yeah it's just i don't know what, what's the word like empty, <coughs> empty promises you know we, yeah. we promise we won't print any more money what we're going to do is we're going to take private yeah. loans and we're going to run a budget surplus i mean i think taking private loans to some degree is still not going to be great for them because if they take a private loan, because some of these private loans are from like uh, sovereign wealth funds from yeah. other countries that I'm sure like the IMF is in there yeah. somewhere, et cetera, those loans will be denominated in the other currency. So like US yeah. dollars or something like that, which is still not great for the Argentinian, you know, yeah. local currency. So yeah. I don't know how that's going to tame their inflation, but you know, I'm gr I think it's great that they're going to try this, or at mm. least they're saying they're going to try this. I think they probably need like a hard money Bitcoin standard instead, but that's their journey to go on to figure out. So there's not a lot of uh, 
Sorry, you go. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, so I mis misunderstood you. So they're going to end very... I, I, I thought you said that they're going to continue it. No, oh, so sorry. The, end. Oh, the okay, way yeah, that yeah, this yeah. sentence is yeah. phrased is probably yeah. not the best. So yeah, yeah. Argentina pledges to end budget financing okay. by money printing. Okay, so, what, so that's a good thing. I guess. Yes, yeah. Well, in okay. quotations, a good yeah. thing if they follow through on it. Yeah. So they're basically okay. saying, we're not yeah. going to print any more money. We're just going to take private yeah. loans and we're going to yeah. run a budget surplus. But they've been unsuccessful with that approach in the past. Yeah. And they've also had money printing to rely on. So now without the money printing... Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts okay, until they yeah. have to pivot back to it. I think once they get to probably even more of maybe a like a social mm. crisis or a humanitarian mm. crisis over there, they'll then say, oh, look, sorry, we have to go back to money printing mm. because obviously this other way is just yep. not working. But, you know, good on them for trying. Yep. So global institutional news. Everyone's probably heard about this one, but Michael Saylor resigns as the CEO of MicroStrategy. Yeah. Uh, now, if you listen to like Bloomberg or the Wall Street Journal, they're basically saying he's resigning because you know the whole Bitcoin play was such a like a failure, and he's lost so much money that he has to step down. Yeah. However, if you listen to Michael Saylor, some of the meetings that he publicize uh, from yeah. uh, MicroStrategy, as well as like their official documentation, yeah. that's not really the case. He's saying he's stepping down as CEO, which was initially a, a plan that he had anyway. He's remaining executive chairman mm. of MicroStrategy. And so his job would be to oversee their Bitcoin acquisition strategy and to continue evangelizing on a more full-time basis, Bitcoin. Okay. So he hasn't expressed any regrets in his strategy whatsoever. He said it's actually the most successful thing that his company has done. Yeah. And if you look at his company versus yeah. other tech stocks, it's actually outperformed them incredibly over the last okay. few years since yeah. going to that strategy. So I think that's good news, actually. It's similar to Jack Dorsey stepping down from you know the CEO mm. of Twitter so he can just yeah. focus you know, purely mm. on Bitcoin. We're getting more full-time Bitcoin evangelists. So I think that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to know because on the other hand, it could he could be just saying that and MicroStrategy could be saying that to save face. Mm. So it certainly doesn't look kind of a bit suspicious when it's a bear market and one of the guys uh, who advocated this strategy steps down as CEO. Yeah, who knows what the truth is. That's true. Uh, I think we'll probably have to watch what he does and what they do yeah. rather than what they say. So if they keep acquiring yeah. Bitcoin and don't sell yeah. any Bitcoin, then yeah. we know that they're probably, you know, yeah. what they've said is like mostly true. Yeah. But yeah, you never know. It could be trying to save face or kind of distance yeah. himself. Right, right. Um, yeah. My, yeah. my personal belief is that what he said is, is probably pretty accurate because, yeah. okay. geez, you wouldn't want to shoot yourself in the foot to say like, no, we're going to keep acquiring Bitcoin. That's yeah. my job now. Then yeah. next week, MicroStrategy yeah. sells yeah. some of its Bitcoin. Yeah. That would yeah. just be, uh, yeah, kind of do yeah. yourself I in think, with that. Yeah, I think you're right. We'll see what they do. Now, another big bit of news is that BlackRock, who has previously said, you know, Bitcoin's going to die, Bitcoin isn't ESG friendly mm. enough, uh, Bitcoin's going to zero, etc. Um, so BlackRock, which is just for anyone who doesn't know, the world's largest asset manager. So they have yeah. over $10 trillion, um, uh, US dollars of assets under their management. Yeah. Um, they've partnered with Coinbase, um, the evil empire Coinbase, mm. to bring Bitcoin trading to their institutional clients. Yeah, um, kind of sad that it's not going out to retail clients as well at this point. Yeah. But I guess that's how it usually goes, isn't it? Institutional mm. gets it first, yeah. and then retail kind of gets it um, downstream of that. But still, for BlackRock to be now believing that Bitcoin is here for the long term, well enough for them to sort of step into it, and maybe you know, in quotations, ESG yeah. friendly enough for them to uh, to kind of adopt it for their clients. I think that's decent news. Yeah, so more institutional clients will be able to invest in bitcoin so yes price correct. go up <laughs> yes the price go up exactly now those people are probably not self-custodying yeah. they're probably maybe even buying ious of yeah. bitcoin yeah. Uh, which is not the best thing yeah but uh, you know 
in terms yeah. of adoption news, this is heading yeah. the right direction, isn't yeah. it? We're yeah. getting uh, some of the yeah. people that were against Bitcoin now on board to say, hey, look, I could probably profit from this. Maybe there's something here. It's not going away. So I might as well get on board. This is at the uh, If you can't beat them, join them phase right. maybe. Another bit of news is uh, Binance and MasterCard have launched a Bitcoin prepaid credit card, which is also a rewards card in Argentina. Um, so this is interesting news uh, that kind of is coupled with mm. the previous news about Argentina is going to stop their money yeah. printing. At the same time, customers now can get 8% cash back on mm. purchases if they use this card. Now, it's not just in Argentina that this card is valid either. It's at all mm. 90 million uh, mm. MasterCard merchants globally. So pretty interesting um i guess both partnership as well as i guess a payment rails and even a cashback rails for the argentinian people so pretty cool yeah i mean from what i hear people who've been to argentina tell me that uh, bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies too it must be said have been gaining uh, adoption in argentina like people use them because of that of that inflation mm. and it's been gaining much more adoption than in other places it makes sense doesn't it because their their other alternative would be the us dollar which is still having problems with inflation yeah. as well so they, they almost need like a longer term alternative yeah. and something yeah. like bitcoin makes sense as like your long-term store yeah. of value us dollar is your medium-term store of value perhaps um yeah. and then the argentinian i think it's their peso is uh you spend it today yeah. basically don't hold it for longer than yeah. that so honduras launches bitcoin valley which is a Bitcoin-focused circular economy in the town of St. Lucia or Santa Lucia. It's very similar to Bitcoin Beach in El Salvador, Bitcoin Jungle in Costa Rica, yeah. Bitcoin Ikasi in uh, South Africa. And to be honest, I'm probably forgetting a few other of these sort of circular economies that have um, popped up around the place. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty interesting news. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think Samson Mao was promising Honduras to, uh, to adopt it as legal tender. This is, uh, I guess, just a drop in the ocean compared to yeah. that, but maybe yeah. a step in the right direction still. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I think it's always better, like, like the legal tender thing is cool, but I, I, think, I think most Bitcoiners would agree that actually what's much better is when it's kind of ground up, grassroots, uh, grassroots adoption, yeah. that's actually even better. I agree with that. And some of the news, you know, institutional news tends to get the big headline yeah. because it means yeah. like adoption is moving forward faster. But I would rather hear a grassroots yeah. you know, um, yeah. uh, project like this, or even retail investors yeah. getting access to something yeah. rather than institutional yeah. investors yeah. or even state investors. Yeah. But people love that because that's the big money and that's, mm. you know, number go up. But I yeah. agree with you, you know, stretching yeah. it out a little bit longer in terms of number go up and getting yeah. people, actual people yeah. in, yeah. that's what Bitcoin's meant to yeah. be for, at least in my mind. Yeah. So Galoi, which is the developer behind Bitcoin Beach's Lightning Wallet, they're adding a new feature which is Bitcoin-backed synthetic US dollars, which enables users to send, receive, and hold US dollars that are backed by Bitcoin. And so this isn't a stable coin. So there's no separate token. There's no like underpinning asset that's another cryptocurrency or even something like a US dollar. The underpinning asset is Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a bit confusing. And I'm linking to a, an article that explains both their implementation as well as some of the risks with their implementation because the way that they do this is with something called inverse perpetual swaps i don't even think i can explain this succinctly in just like a few sentences because there's like whole articles that explain yeah. this quite well so i think i'll just link to it but that i guess the summary is inverse perpetual swaps are what's being done for users to be able to say in my wallet when i receive bitcoin i want 20 percent of that to be held in us dollars and i want the other 80 percent to just be in bitcoin but the us dollar is actually still bitcoin it's just pegged to the US dollar. Okay. Now, what that means is if the Bitcoin price goes up, 
they kind of lose out on that 20% yeah. because they don't get to realize that Bitcoin gain. But of course, if the Bitcoin price goes down, they don't get those losses either. They yeah. still retain the, the dollar value. Now, the downside to this whole process is that at the moment, it's still a centralized process. So Galoi, um, which is the creator of the wallet, they use OKX as an exchange. Yeah. And the exchange is what places this inverse perpetual swap yeah. to allow the Bitcoin value to be pegged to the US dollar. Yeah. So there's counterparty risk there. Yeah. Um, Dylan LeClaire wrote an article that talks about this automatic deleveraging situation as well, where if there's a huge move in the market, it's possible that people might not be protected in that regard either. Yeah. So again, this is sort of beyond my understanding of, of how some of these things work. So I'd say if you're interested in this or it sounds really good or really bad, I, I reckon go have okay. a read of both of those articles. There's actually a few articles that kind of link off from the, the main one that I'll um, that I'll leave in the show notes. So interesting news nonetheless, especially now that we're starting to dabble with stable coins without actually an underpinning stable coin or a new token or you know, a shit coin behind it or something like that. I think this is something that people have thought is possible for a while, but it hasn't been done. So it's kind of nice to see that happening. Okay. But I'd say experimental, like yeah. don't, don't, <laughs> don't put in more than what you're expecting to lose essentially. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't completely get it. <laughs> Uh, so, like, would this be in any lightning? So, this would be like using lightning only, right? Yes. And this, but this, this is their yeah, wallet in particular yeah. that they're implementing. Yeah. So, it, it would only like work on in their wallet. You yeah. couldn't send it to like if I've got blue wallet, I couldn't send this to my blue wallet or whatever. No. But when you decide, okay, I want to now spend this Bitcoin, you can then just very easily send that Bitcoin to someone else. <clears throat> it's just no longer backed or pegged to the US dollar, if that makes sense. Because it all remains on the Bitcoin network. This is not integrated with like existing financial okay. networks. So you can't send a dollar to someone else, unless I guess they're at yeah. Bitcoin Beach and on the Bitcoin Beach wallet. And then there's probably some integration in that regard. But if they were to send you money, they would need to then say, okay, I want to turn this Bitcoin back to US dollar, back to Bitcoin, and then send it to Daniel you yeah. know, on his blue wallet. And that would work. So yeah, I think for now, yeah. this is really mainly influencing or uh, impacting people at Bitcoin Beach to give them this extra ability yeah. to store in US dollars instead, but without an extra token, without, yeah. you know. It, like, uh, maybe I'm misunderstanding something, but it doesn't sound that impressive to me. It just sounds like in the, within their wallet, they've got like a feature where they partner with an exchange to somehow hedge. That's exactly the what risk. they're doing. And yeah. it's like, okay, so it's basically you've got some an additional feature within the wallet but it's like it's it's almost nothing to do with lightning from what i understand except but it's implementing very lightning wallet yes correct right but i, I don't think this was news about lightning it's yeah. basically oh, saying okay. like we now we now have a, a stable i don't want to call yeah. it a stable coin because it's not really a separate token but yeah. we've now got like a stable way to peg bitcoin yeah. to okay. us dollars yeah uh, without issuing a new token yeah without having some kind of like cryptocurrency that like underpins it apart from bitcoin so okay. i think it's big news for okay. that okay. but no it's not necessarily yeah. big news for the lightning network except for if other wallets start to implement something similar yeah okay. and especially if they start going beyond just centralized exchanges or maybe distributing it across yeah. multiple exchanges like that's a way that could kind of reduce yeah. some of the uh some of the cons of the pro that yeah. comes with it. I guess the part for me is, is like, it's experimental, yeah. but it's showing that what can be possible without actually yeah. having another yeah. token, like a stablecoin token. Yeah. And I'm guessing if you have it like a Bitcoin tied up in this hedged account, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure you don't control the keys either, right? No, yeah. it goes goes exactly. to the exchange, yeah, yeah. which is the, uh, the counterparty risk part. So you yeah. have to trust OKX will give you that Bitcoin back and yeah. that they're not okay. going to go under. Yeah that they're not going to rehypothecate it and everything yeah, else. So yeah. again, I don't think this is, yeah. it's not like everyone should go be doing it yeah. now, but it's more yeah. like, look, okay, this, is, sure. this is something that's possible. There's yeah. some ways that this can be extended out yeah, yeah, yeah. to reduce okay. the risk. And 
Yeah, just yeah. interesting news. Okay, yeah. So moving on to Australian news. Australia's annual CPI, uh, as of the quarter ending in June, has reached 6.1%. So I think that my guess last time when we talked about what are our guesses for CPI was 6%. And that's purely based on the narrative of the RBA and the mm. ABS saying that we'll probably mm. be at about 6.7% by December. Yeah. So I'm thinking if that's where they want to try to shoot for mm. or where they want to try to yeah. keep the number, we're just going to be like a gradual increase from there. So maybe in the next quarter, we're like 65 and then in the last quarter, we're about 6.7 or 7%. Of course, this is CPI, not actual inflation. The actual yeah. inflation number is far higher. Uh, but yeah, we're now at 6.1%, far above the target of 2 to 3. Yeah. A bit of interesting news in regards to uh, chain analysis, um, surveillance, um, some of the stuff we touched on a little bit earlier on, is that the Australian government, the uh, particularly the Australian Signals Directorate, or ASD, um, has signed a contract with chain analysis for $2.1 million. So what I've linked to is actually just the tender documents of the yeah. successful contracts. So <clears throat> it's probably not going to be that interesting. Um, but I guess to me, reading between the lines is that it's probably unlikely that we're going to have something like a Bitcoin ban here. Not that I think that's really gotten yeah. much traction in terms of people's belief, but you probably wouldn't have governments starting to buy, you know, chain analysis software subscriptions mm. unless they had some expectation that things like Bitcoin are probably going to be around longer term, yeah. um, that their citizens are going to be using it, that it could have like mm. legs internationally, et cetera. So, mm. I mean, for privacy, probably not the best thing. Yeah. Um, but in terms of adoption, I would say probably <laughs> yeah. directionally, maybe a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, so well, I guess one thing is, yeah, because we were like uh, Australian Bitcoin industry body, like when talking with Austrac and we're possibly might be Austrac might possibly partner with China analysis. I'm not exactly sure what the status is there, but a lot of like governments have partnered and and with and other kind of organizations counter similar to Austrac but in other countries yes, have, that makes pa sense. have partnered with China analysis. And like one issue is because China analysis builds like you know you feed the data and um and kind of builds like, like a probabilistic uh, model of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Which by personal data to which, I guess mm. and like that data gets then shared with all these other countries so I mean does that is Australian signals directorate going to be giving Australian customer data Australians data into China analysis which is then going to other countries mm. so um, that's something to kind of push back against because I don't believe they should be doing that. Yeah, agreed. Because it becomes like a honeypot, doesn't it? Like if you yeah. know that there's an organization or a database that has all yeah. the addresses, the potential identities, and which yeah. ones, like other addresses yeah. they're potentially linked to, that's a pretty, it's a big prize for yeah. like a hacker or someone who's like in another country. It's an adversary. Yeah. It could be like another state or it could be, yeah. again, just like a black hat hacker that wants to get that information and sell it to the highest yeah. bidder. Like it's usually bad when you have a honeypot full of data. And data generally always gets breached, especially when it's managed by the government. So, yeah, I, I, it hasn't been clear what this is going to be used for. It's just more so people have found the tender documents yeah. to say they've signed this contract. Yeah. So okay. it's there, yeah. but we don't know the uh, the purpose behind it, apart from chain surveillance, which is exactly what yeah. chain analysis does. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we don't want Australian data on Australians to be shared with other governments through chain analysis. Yes, and that's like agreed. It's a privacy issue like definitely the way i see it yeah likewise well in similar news victoria police have been uh 
granted, I guess, or approved sweeping new asset seizure powers, including related to cryptocurrencies, where they can seize cryptocurrencies or go to exchanges where they believe someone has an account with cryptocurrency in it um, for any criminals that have any association with drugs or guns, essentially. Okay. Yeah. So I th look, I don't know. I don't know if this is totally new news. I mean, it is in new, new in terms of the new powers that they've received, but I kind of feel like if they mm. could seize cryptocurrency mm. of that sort of genre of criminals, they could have probably done that previously anyway. Mm. I think maybe they're just getting um, enhanced powers to be able to go mm. to exchanges and you know mm. maybe warrantless, mm. permissionless, seek data, yeah. um, that kind of thing. And again, it's you know how this is enforced. I'm not really sure if someone has their own keys yeah, and it's yeah. unclear. It's it's yeah. hard for them to get that. But yeah. Australian news, so I think just be mindful of it. And at the yeah. moment, this appears to be just in Victoria. Yeah. So another bit of Australian news. I guess this is more positive news. Or at least it sounds like it in the headline. But I've included it to give a bit of context. So there was a headline that Mastercard is going to launch a Bitcoin-backed card, yeah. uh, like credit card, in Australia, yeah. accepted by all their merchants. So kind of similar to the the Argentinian mm. news that we mentioned just yeah. before. And so that sounded really good, but it's not actually MasterCard that's doing it. So it's a company called eBank International, okay. uh, which recently started a crypto and NFT exchange in Australia called Ebonex. And so Ebonex is partnering with MasterCard to launch a crypto-backed <coughs> credit card for their exchange users. Okay. So the way that this headline has been like sort of spread around Twitter is that MasterCard is launching their own Bitcoin-backed yeah. credit card that everyone can use in Australia. But no, it's... It's Ebonex is partnering with MasterCard okay. oh, to okay. release a crypto-backed credit card, which includes Bitcoin, um, yeah. to just their customers. Yeah. But this is a very much a shitcoin and NFT exchange. So okay, I feel yeah. like this is probably watered down a bit in terms yeah, of it. Yeah. It's not MasterCard by themselves. It's not all of Australia. It's just this particular yeah. shitcoin exchange that recently started. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's how it starts, isn't it? If yeah. MasterCard sees traction there, they might decide, hey, maybe yeah. we should have our own specifically right. for broader use. Yeah. But yeah. We'll see. So moving on to a bit of technical news, uh, Bitfinex and Tether have collaborated with Hypercall, which is an open source protocol team, and together they're launching a new peer-to-peer -peer communications application called Keet, which I've experimented a little bit with and it seems pretty cool. Uh, basically, you can exchange instant video, uh, messaging, and file transfers. Mm -hmm. And essentially, you can, because I use it on Linux, okay. so you just get an app image, you can open up the uh, the program itself. Use Kit. Use Kit. Service. Yeah, okay. and then you can um, just get a link and provide that link to someone else to say join my join my chat or join my group. And uh, look, I haven't experimented with it too much, but my understanding is you can actually have multiple people join, and then you can have you know encrypted peer to peer group chats that doesn't go through any kind of centralized server. Uh, you can do file transfers, okay, um, video transfers, that kind of thing. So this is just I would call it like at the experimental phase. So I'm not giving any kind of certainty to like how good the end-to-end -end encryption is or whether that's even working at the moment. I haven't experimented or, or like reviewed yeah. the code or something okay. like that to that deep. But it looks pretty cool as an idea. Um, and it's nice to see Bitcoin-based stuff being released in this way that's trying mm. to compete with places like you know, Zoom or Skype, okay. some yeah. of the more centralized yeah. um, messaging or peer-to-peer, -peer, which they're not really peer-to-peer, -peer, but you know okay. what I mean. So it's supposed to be a peer-to-peer -peer Zoom. Basically, yeah, okay, that's right. Yeah. But with file transfers and video transfers mm -hmm. as well. So is it similar? Because what's that other video? Uh, Jitsi. Jitsi. Uh, yeah. Is that, I don't think that can be P two P, can it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Jitsi is really good. I think if anyone is looking for an alternative to like Zoom or yeah. Skype, usually Jitsi is the my go to suggestion. 
I don't think that has file transfers. So you can do oh, okay, video yeah. calls, voice calls, okay. you can do chat, of course. Okay, yeah. um, but I don't think you could send like a 500 megabyte file or gig file okay. or something like that. Whereas apparently you can do that on Keat. Okay, yeah. So just interesting news, something to watch. Mm -hmm. uh, another bit of news is uh, Anthony Ronning and Paul Miller have released a privacy focused Lightning wallet. So we've talked about Lightning privacy on a few different pods, some with Rusty, uh, some with Lloyd, um, some with even Catan. And uh, on our Hardlock Twitter, we've uh, posted quite a few references to some of Anthony Ronning's work, some of his past talks at like Bitcoin Miami, some of the past work that he's done that's been put in mm -hmm. like an article format. So I thought it was just cool to follow up to say, well, a lot of those problems that have been proposed, they're now trying to solve with a Lightning Wallet implementation. Um, again, this is, I would say, very experimental. You, probably don't even use it with anything that you expect not to lose. But maybe if you're curious about this and you like to dabble, then uh, it could be something to look at just as a bit of trivia. Um, you can't actually receive from the private Lightning wallet. That's kind of part of part of getting yeah. around the uh, yeah. privacy issues in Lightning is to say this is should be purely a spending wallet um, until they can figure out how to do receiving a bit more privately, which is probably more at the protocol level, not at just like the application implementation level. Yep. So two bits of news, which are really just like, I guess nice adoption and and you know technical news is that the Lightning Network capacity has reached another all-time high of uh, 4,400 Bitcoin. Now I think last time we talked it was like yeah. 4,100 or 4,200, okay, so yeah. it's kind of decent for it to be uh, another yeah. almost 10% above that. Yeah. One that I really like as well is that the Whirlpool unspent capacity reached an all-time high of high of 5,200 Bitcoin. So that's people that are mixing in Sparrow Wallet and Samurai Wallet, the okay, Whirlpool yeah. implementation, and that continues to grow. Another bit of news, which I don't actually have here, but it relates to that, is um, it's nice to see more people improving their privacy, especially as uh, the US just sanctioned um, Tornado Cash, which is Ethereum's kind of version of Whirlpool, like very okay. different implementations, yeah. obviously, yeah. but similar kind of uh, outcome where yeah. you, you put your Ethereum in at a, a specific uh, equal amount, so it might be like 0.1 Ethereum or, yeah. or whatever it might be. Um, that is in a bunch of pool of funds, which then you can yeah. withdraw that same amount from like 0.1 and yeah. you're, you're getting someone else's Ethereum basically. So it's like mixed. Yeah. So the US um, just this morning sanctioned Tornado Cash. Mm. Uh, and since they've sanctioned it, because I they were saying that some of the addresses that have gone into Tornado Cash have been from like North Korean, you know, okay. cyber, yeah. um, probably like state and maybe even criminal entities. And so since then, Tornado Cash has been shut down. Um, the GitHub has been deleted and the main developer on GitHub, his account's been frozen. Yeah. And if you go to the website now, it no longer exists. So it's open source, which means that if someone gets the original source code, they can just sort of, you know, start up another one. But it's, yeah, very interesting to see how even something that's like a decentralized app on top of Ethereum, yeah. I say decentralized, like in quotations, can be shut down within just yeah. a couple of hours of the US government saying, we don't want that in operation anymore. Yeah. Um, and even something like GitHub, where I feel like a lot of people think is a, uh, I don't know, a bit protected because it's open source and yeah. that should be free speech, et cetera. It didn't take very long for GitHub to uh, to shut down mm -hmm. the project mm -hmm. and to freeze the main developer's account. Um, I heard mm -hmm. every developer's account got deleted, but when I looked into it, it sounds like just the yeah. main developer, his okay. account's been frozen. Right, so right. yeah, interesting news. And I guess at the same time, you've got Whirlpool making new all-time highs. Mm. And I guess the true test is when the US yeah. government starts to say things like, uh, yeah, Whirlpool or Wasabi or uh, Join Market, like yeah. they need to be shut down yeah. as well what then happens you know, yeah, with those yeah. kind of services. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty confident Whirlpool would stay around after that point regardless. Yeah. But um, I mean, we'll see. We're probably entering that phase, like the fight on privacy basically yeah. in Bitcoin. Cool. And just one other thing, uh, the 
Satspend has been getting some interest. Some people, you mentioned some people like forked it. Yeah, so the uh, already one that is up and running is the Netherlands Bitcoin community. Yeah, and yeah. so they've taken like the, the map version or the map uh, section, sorry, yeah. and implemented on their website. But then, uh, yeah, an Atlanta community as well has yeah. forked the whole page. And yeah. it looks like they just intend to use the page as a basis and sort yeah. of input their yeah. details instead, which I think is awesome. Uh, UTXO Club, which is like Nick CLI, yeah, sometimes yeah. people might know him as, uh, mentioned that some people were interested in doing the same thing in Nashville as well okay, cool. from conversations yeah. he had. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to uh, to see like who else kind of grabs that and, and tries yeah, to yeah. make a uh, yeah, Bitcoin circular economy more accessible yeah. in their place. Yeah. And I think over time, as that network grows, it'd be good if we can kind of link back to each other's pages just yeah, so yeah, everyone yeah, realizes, yeah, yeah. like, this is yeah. a kind of an ecosystem that's growing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, sorry. You know, I just said, and for those who don't know, Satspen, it's, uh, it's basically a website which lists over Australian businesses which accept Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, it's like an interactive table that you can maintain. And yeah, so it's a pretty cool, um, yeah, pretty cool and project. And yeah. It's been fun. It's been yeah, a good learning yeah, experience, yeah. especially trying to figure out like, I mean, this will sound very basic to anyone who's been in development, but like, how can I make a table that then I can search for it and mm. have like little error messages if there's nothing mm, in there mm, and I don't want it to show me duplicate, mm, you know, mm, entries and mm, how can mm. I also have like an interactive searchable map? So that was a, a interesting process yeah. for me to kind of go through. But now the fact that other people are using it is, uh, yeah, it feels nice. Mm, and mm. so if anyone is in a place probably apart from Australia, that thinks that that would be a cool idea to do. You've now got a format, like you've yeah. got, or, or a template, sorry, is probably the right word, where just change the details to yours, input the the locations and addresses of the places that you know, um, except Bitcoin in your yeah. your area, and all of a sudden you've got uh, you've got your own sat spend, you've got your own Bitcoin business list. So, yeah, and if you need any help with that, please reach out. I'm, I'm yeah. always happy to yeah, yeah share ideas. And obviously, or if you have Bitcoin, if like. Try try and spend it and go to these businesses like it's owned by other Bitcoiners and you're supporting their business, and um, because one of the issues sometimes we don't get many people using this, these facilities. That's true. So yeah, like go even support them. Use use your Bitcoin as money. It's money, so use it as money. Yeah, and look, if you don't want to spend your Bitcoin, just adopt the spend and replace model, where you spend yeah. it, but then you replace the same amount. So yeah. you never lose the amount of Bitcoin you have. You're just helping to further the economy, the Bitcoin economy, because it's it's pretty sad. Like when I went through the initial list, because I found about five lists of yeah. potential Bitcoin businesses. There was maybe like mm. eighty or so businesses on it. Mm. Probably not half, but maybe like. 40% of those businesses mm. weren't even around anymore. Mm. Mm. And of the remaining businesses, only about half of them still accepted Bitcoin mm. because they said, well, no one no one used it and it yeah. just became too complicated. Yeah. And we had new staff and trying to yeah. explain it to them. So just, we decided to get rid of it. And it said like, do you think people will use it? Cause we'll go back to it if people are gonna use it. But like, I, I can't promise yeah. that. Yeah. So hopefully if we get more people spending, there'll be more businesses that do decide to accept it. Right. The ones that did in the last few years, kind of sad yeah, a yeah, lot of yeah. them didn't get much traction so yeah well hopefully that will improve especially with lightning network uh definitely becoming like better and like everything is coming along so hopefully that will improve absolutely yeah the more easier in terms of access it becomes yeah. quicker in terms yeah. of transactions and cheaper in terms of yeah. transactions i think that's all a good thing mm. and look if you're in australia and you have a business that accepts mm. bitcoin or you're yeah. considering doing so please reach out i can add you to the list Cool. Well, look, that's pretty much all the news that we had for today. If you've enjoyed, please share it around. If you can leave a review on a podcasting app, then please do so because that does help the podcast out. Otherwise, Daniel, thanks yeah. for coming. Yeah, thanks, Justin. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time.